Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Whitney Isaac, Associate Minister for the Status of Women. Thank you for joining us today as we go over the highlights of Bill 10, the Health Professions Protecting Women and Girls Amendment Act. The amendments to the Health Professions Act outlined in this legislation will strengthen protections that ban female genital mutilation in Alberta. Female genital mutilation, also known as female genital cutting or FGM C, is a serious crime and one that can affect women for a lifetime. Placing greater focus on one of the most serious health issues and forms of gender-based violence women face is important. It makes a strong statement that we will not tolerate the abuse of women and girls in this province. We are stepping up to ensure Alberta is a safe space for everyone. With me today is Leela Hare, MLA for Chestermere Rocky View. Ms. Dehir will walk through Bill 10 and will also be introducing the bill in the legislature this afternoon. Before we begin, I want to thank MLA Ahir for her hard work on this piece of legislation. I know that she worked diligently to ensure that this piece of legislation moved forward. This bill is a very near and dear issue for Ms. Ahir. So without further delay, I now ask MLA Ahir to come to the podium. Thank you so much, Minister Isik. Well, good afternoon, everyone. I'm Leela Sharon here, and I'm so honored to be the MLA for Chestermere Strathmore. And thank you so much for joining us today to learn more about this important legislation that will truly work towards helping protect women in Alberta. Before I begin, I'd like to acknowledge that I'm privileged to share this land with our Treaty 6 sisters and brothers and Métis Region 4. Every Albertan deserves to live free from fear and from violence. And today, Alberta's government is taking some really, really important steps towards protecting women and girls from violence by introducing legislation that, should it pass, will strengthen existing laws that ban female genital mutilation and cutting by amending the Health Professions Act. Female genital mutilation and cutting are a violation of human rights of women and girls around the world, and they can cause immediate and lifelong health and psychological problems. In some cases, this can lead to death of the birth mother or of the infant. The coercive control of physical and psychological violence because of sex and gender must be eradicated at all levels. And I'm so proud of our government that is taking a stand to support survivors to ensure that no woman or girl will ever undergo the debilitating practice in Alberta. I will also note that our jurisdiction of Alberta is the first one to introduce the professional legislation that speaks directly to the issue of FGM. And it is my sincere hope and challenge that others will follow. If Bill 10 is passed, it will strengthen the existing laws of FGM and cutting in Alberta that expressly state around the procurement or the performance of FGM by a regulated health professional in Alberta is prohibited and that a person that has been committed of a criminal offence related to the procurement or the performance of FGM will not be eligible for registration as a leg legislated, a regulated member under the HPA or the Health Professions Act. The proposed amendments will make reporting conduct related to female genital mutilation law enforcement mandatory. The proposed amendments will also require health professionals, regulatory colleagues to adopt standards of practice relating to FGM and cutting. 
because this is really, it's about education and empowering and having consulted widely in Alberta, but also globally with other countries where the practice is illegal and continues as we speak. So the practice would address education and training related to prevention and the prohibition of FGM, supporting victims, securing or providing further supports that may be necessary to protect a child at risk, and how to manage the resulting physical and psychological trauma to support a victim. This would also mean performing a surgical procedure to help an FGM victim to have a natural birth and subsequent repair. Our well-being as a society is only as good as our humanity. It is critical that the safety and security of women and girls is a priority. And the fear of physical and psychological violence because of sex and gender must be removed at all levels. I want to be clear that we are not rejecting cultural rationalities, but we are rejecting violence perpetuated against women in the name of a cultural practice. We are addressing the premise of coercive control and accompanying practices that must be eradicated. Women's bodies under no circumstances should ever be subjected to the imposition of false or antiquated thought, but we must be thoughtful in empowering in our ability to help women and girls and to eradicate gender-based violence toward, and, and moving towards equity. The proposed amendments to legislation of criminality of FGM will require health professionals, regulatory colleges to adopt the standards of practice relating to FGM and cutting, including which is really important, the education and the training related to the prevention and the prohibition of FGM. Of course, the needs of supporting victims and securing uh, further supports that may be necessary to protect a child at risk and how to manage, again, that psychological and, and uh, physical trauma. When we talk about FGM, it's not about how widespread it is. It is about the common misconceptions that it is a practice that only happens in other countries and not in Canada. That is simply not true. It happens here. FGM does affect women and girls here in Alberta because either the cutters are flown into town or the girls are flown out. One girl, one, having her legs bound and her body disfigured and having to live with the painful secret is one too many. It is abuse and it must stop. And with each passing day, more and more women are at risk. That's why this is so important that if this bill is passed, it will ensure also that the colleges have the time that they need. So they'll have a year from royal assent to be able to develop and adopt the standards of practice. I just wanted to say that um, my sincerest thank you and love. Thank you so much, Minister Isik. And uh, to the women also who have advocated and worked so hard, to the ministry as well too, to bring this issue to the forefront because it's not easy, it's complicated, and to have this legislation introduced. I'd also like to take a moment to thank Giselle Portenier at the NFGM Canada Network and Roby Samueli. I had the privilege of meeting with Roby and the girls um, that were actually in the movie that, um, that Giselle um, created in the name of your daughter and we actually were able to chat via zoom overseas and to talk to these girls that are strong and beautiful and amazing and are taking a stand along with the cultures where they live in order to make these changes happen one step at a time it's really been one of the greatest honors of my life to work with all of you and to the women and girls that are out there who are suffering in silence you are loved you're beautiful 
and you are perfect. And I'm so sorry that this has happened to you. And please know that you're not alone and that we're here. Thank you. Thank you, Amalia here. Uh, today we also have Kyle Duplessis, uh, Director of Health Professions uh, Regulation at uh, Alberta Health. Uh, he'll be here to answer any questions that you may have. Um, also, Amanda LeBlanc, Press Secretary for Status of Women, will now begin the media portion of today's event. Thank you, Minister. Okay, um, if we have anyone on the line, we can put the first caller through. Um, we'll have a few minutes for questions, and please note there will be one question, one follow-up. Lee Joano, Post Media. Hi, um, I'm hoping that someone can uh, walk me through a little bit about uh, the changes this makes on a practical level. Are you now requiring that the uh, governing bodies do some sort of uh, criminal background check on the folks that they accept to see if they've been charged with these crimes? Um, I'll just uh, let Emilia here take that technical question. Thank you. It's a really great question. And what we'll do is a, a lot of this is very, very, um, it's very complicated. So if you don't mind, uh, just out of respect to make sure that we have all of that information correctly for you, we will relate some of these questions back and we're able to answer it further. But my understanding is it's not about a criminal background check. Um, all doctors have to go through a tremendous amount of vetting to get to where they are. Um, it, it goes to any sort of assault or any other crimes that they would have had in the previous. There is, there is a reasonable amount of questions that go it's not specifically directed at this, but any sort of trauma or injury that has come from a doctor in any past would hold them accountable in any in any decisions going future. But I, I will uh, I will leave that to if you don't mind. I'll get back to you with some more significant um, data about that later. Perfect. Thank okay. you so much. And uh, any follow up? Yeah, I'm just hoping that someone can quantify the problem in Alberta. Is it something that uh, the province experiences? But I just wonder if we have any data. Yeah, oh, it's a problem. great it's a great question. It's like anything with uh, sexual assault and domestic violence. It's very very difficult to quantify because many people don't come forward. You can imagine how dark and secretive that this is. In fact, even in countries that are working with us, because this is a global issue, it's not just obviously an Alberta issue. So in working collaboratively across Canada and globally, what we have found is that we only understand the data based on what we can see, not as what we're, not what is reported. And in Alberta, in particular, there would be a tremendous amount of stigma. One of the things that we noticed in our consultations was that when we spoke with doctors who had actually seen alterations and, and mutilations, of course, it's already happened, right? And part of that is being able to have the discussion with those women about what they've been through, should they have that discussion, and then also forwarding the information to make sure that the next generation of girls is not cut. So we're really, um, it's very, very groundbreaking legislation that way. Um, it's not really in particular about data right now. It's actually about being able to start the education piece so that we can actually find out what's going on. I wish I had more data for you. If I did, I would share it with you. But because of the secrecy of this, of this particular practice, it's very difficult to quantify. Okay, and is there anyone else on the line? Okay, we can put through the next caller, please. Gabriela Panza-Beltrande from CBC. Hello, can you hear me all right? Uh, yeah, we can hear you. Perfect. Awesome. So I was just curious, you talked about um, adopting standards of practice related to SDM. 
Um, can you um, elaborate a little bit on what these standards would be? Would that be a standard in terms of what a doctor encounters somebody who is a victim of this? Would this or, or what are the standards, I guess? What would these standards apply to? Yeah, so the standards of practice, as I understand it, are relating to reporting and the ability to report. In the past, it's been very, very difficult for doctors to have the capacity, so it goes through physicians and doctors through that association in order to empower them to have the ability to do that. So um, when when we're talking about standards of practice with respect to um, particular types of practice like FGM, it's very difficult because the discussions haven't happened, and so that's why we're giving them a year to be able to understand the legislation. We'll work collaboratively um, with uh, the, the physicians and doctors and with our collaborators to make sure that we understand how that's moving forward. Great. And any follow-up question? Yes, you kind of were talking already about quantifying kind of the issue within this or in the province, rather. But can you talk about a little bit, you talk about a little bit, but how is this happening here? Is it being performed mm -hmm. here by doctors here? Is it places where you were talking about people being flown out to other places? Is it a mix of the two? Or whether is there a regular or a common situation you're seeing? Yeah, no, it's another great question. So from what we understand, based again on our consultations, and we did massive consultations on this, there were no, as I understand it, doctors in particular that had been highlighted as actually doing the practice here. But the concerns were, is there something called the cutting season? And so what happens is that girls are flown out to other countries in the diasporas where the cutting actually happens. And so that's part of it. If we can start with empowering and education and helping our doctors to understand, they might be able to foresee this happening before the act actually happens. Happens. The criminality of it is should a doctor here be found guilty of doing a procedure or um, facilitating any sort of procedure, then we can look at that. But truthfully, um, the first steps in any sort of gender-based violence or anything uh, when it comes to violence against women starts with education, understanding, empowering, and making sure that people have the skills, the tools, and supports to be able to help people through this. So I would imagine in, over the next little while we'll have more data to be able to share. But like I said, this is very groundbreaking legislation. So we're starting from scratch here, especially in Canada. Great. And I understand there's no more callers on the line. Anyone in person? Go cool. We are trailblazing, 100%. And it's a beautiful way to actually look at it. Um, as we know with sexual violence and domestic violence, it is... We only know, in, in, even in with the understanding of what happens with sexual assault and domestic violence, we only see about 5% of people actually come forward and to tell their truth. Because quite often, and the same thing happens with female genital mutilation, it's within a family. So it's very, very difficult to even project how it is, and, and especially if it's happening with little girls. You know, uh, girls are cut anywhere from newborn up until womanhood. And there's misconceptions that it only happens to adult women, but actually girls in the United States have been cut 
in the United States, in Michigan, at, at the age of seven. So what sort of prompted some of this legislation was seeing that in the United States they had federal legislation, but the state was actually responsible for creating legislation to make differences happen. So it helped us to understand how we needed to solidify that. So that's the pathway on, and in terms of the technical, on the personal side, 100%. When we were going through our consultations, you would not believe we had done the screening of the, in the name of her daughter the first year when we did the declaration. And then the following year, we did the proclamation. And um, all of us were deeply impacted by stories of, I would say, hundreds of women that live right here in Alberta from all over the world, every continent, every faith, every socioeconomic background. It is not a religious practice. It's cultural that had been cut. And it was shocking. And quite often, you know, if you are in a situation where you cannot be with your doctor alone to have the discussion, there's a lot of things that happen. And that's why we bring in the aspects of coercive control as well, too, because we need to make sure that the autonomy of women's bodies are honored and that we're always leading with that. And this is one step in gender equity and in gender-based violence actions that need to happen. And whether it's female genital mutilation, child marriage, domestic violence, sexual assault, all of these things are connected. And there's many, many layers, or human trafficking, all of it. So you can understand how important this step is. It's just one of the layers that are, are needed, in my opinion. In a professional act, yes. So Canada um, at the federal level has banned female genital mutilation and has uh, structures at the federal level where it's, um, I think it is put forward as being assault is what it's listed at the federal level. The provincial level goes one step further to give the professions within the professional accountability to have the ability to be able to report. That's been one of the missing gaps. And when we were doing our research, it was a huge gap. Um, the UK and other countries have done this already. I think Tans Tans Tansman Tasmania, there's other countries that are a little bit further ahead in terms of um, where they've gone. But what we learned from this is that we needed to empower our doctors to be able to have the conversation first. It's a, you can imagine as a doctor and you're saying this, you don't know how to deal with it if you saw what and I've actually handed out um, I have um, pictures here for you so that you can understand the level of mutilation that happens to a girl from a, a nick to an entire closure and cutting of the clitoris and the sewing together of the labia menorah and majora so that the vaginal opening is quite tiny and a girl need, will have to menstruate and urinate through the same space it's extremely detrimental to her well-being Uh, and we're hoping, yeah, the legislation will be coming forward, and uh, we're really hoping that all parties will uh, help us to pass this legislation for the minister and I. I'm very honored. And, and, I, and I can touch on it, but are you hoping that more people come forward now that yeah. they know that this is going to be coming a, a, a thing? Yeah. And, and more, there's more victims coming forward and, and maybe building the database and getting more people Correct. out there and help you? We talk about race-based data all the time. You're exactly correct, and it's another methodology to be able to do that. But more importantly, in this, in the gendered side of things, stigma is everything. We have to remove the stigma. We cannot be pointing fingers and, and calling people out. This is not an attack on culture or anybody. This is about us in this country, in this province in particular, having the opportunity to empower and educate and then also give powers to create spaces around criminality should those particular options not work initially because we got to protect these girls and women. And we have to make sure that 
if for some reason it hasn't happened here, well, let's make sure that that continues. I mean, we're wanting to attract people from all over the world to Alberta. We're, in, we're positioned to see such amazing growth in our province, and that requires us to make sure that if we say we're protecting girls and women, that we protect girls and women. End of story. Thank you. Great. Um, any other questions in studio? All right. I think we're good. Thank you so much, everyone, for coming today. Thank you.